nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Kareem Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast. This is your host, Keon Sobani. It is Saturday, October 31st. We are recording this. Oh, happy Halloween, by the way. It just dawned on me that I read that data. It's Halloween night. Um, welcome, everyone, to the show. We are recording this just before noon Eastern on the backs of Real Madrid's 4-1 win over Huesca. And it was a bit of an early kickoff. Um, to be fair, maybe not that early. We've we've had like matinees in Madrid where it's like noon local time, and we we drag ourselves the East Coast, and especially if you're on 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 the West Coast, like of the Western Hemisphere, it's really a bloodbath to get to the game if it's if it's like noon o'clock Madrid time. But it wasn't so bad. But I did feel like there was a certain sluggishness in in that first half performance, which, I, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, joining me to dissect. A very fun win, it turns out, is Matt Wilty. Matt, how you doing? Hey, Kian. Uh, I just want to say this real quick before we uh, before we get into it, because I've been meaning to say this to you. Uh, I love the way you say October. It is so Canadian. It's so funny. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know how you say You have such a Canadian accent. I never really noticed it until you say October. It's so funny. How do you say? Just October. What do I say? Say it. You're like October. oh, I say October. I October. Yeah, I don't know. Like the beginning of how you say it is different. I don't know. I, I'm usually not. People don't give me compliments for my accent ever. It's not like <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mishmash of Persian, Canadian. Um, it's not like your traditional league. Like the there's like always like ideals. There's like the the nice British accent or the Australian accent that people love. Um, I don't have any of that. I just have this Persian, Canadian, East Coast thing. Um, but thank you. That's the first time I've been complimenting my accent, probably. Um, you and I, I think, had similar thoughts just based on going by your tweets that I that I read throughout the game. Yeah. I think we had similar thoughts on how the first half unfolded. I'm not sure how you viewed the second half, but I think everyone at least enjoyed the second half and uh, definitely enjoyed bits and parts of the first half. Um, we can start with the starting lineup. When you saw that starting lineup, did you have any questions? Did you have concerns or anything you were excited about? Anything that you were concerned about? What did you think? Uh, I actually liked it. I think Zidane's maybe realized that he can't go full throttle on the rotation, so he picked and chose who he wanted to go. It was Ferran, Mendy, and I guess you could say Cruz uh, in this round, and so he didn't he didn't like rotate everyone, but it was still it was still a good mix in there. Um, so I like that, and I also like the fact that um, obviously Hazard got the start and Asensio his third consecutive start. I think. Against Borussia Mönchengladbach, I thought that was probably his best game of the season. Really looked like he grew in confidence uh, uh, with each passing minute. So for him to have another opportunity to try and just get some consistency, get some minutes under his belt, get a run of games, I think that's the only way we'll see the true Asensio again. And so I was glad to see him back in there. And then uh, the midfield kind of picked itself. And then I was just a little bit worried about Marcelo and Militao back there with Lucas Vazquez as well. Yeah. It's kind of a makeshift defense, but um, it got the job done. 
That I mean, those are the two positions I looked at as like, oof. I mean, I understand that Mendy can't play every game, especially that we're, we're so thin on on wingbacks now. Like now is not really the time to complain about like who's starting at wingback yeah. because I think there's only so much Zidane can do. And if you don't want to play Mendy at right back and you want to get Marcelo some minutes plus Inter coming up, there's you know there's definitely room for reason for for selecting the wingbacks he did. And unfortunately. I would like to say that it's funny, but it's really not. Like, just Real Madrid, they just lose all their wingbacks at once. It's never like, oh, we'll miss one of our wingbacks and then we'll have fillers. But then it's like, so Carvajal, Oriozola, Nacho, all gone. Lucas Vasquez, fourth choice. He he was subbed off for Mendy. And Mendy got some minutes right back to, to round out the game. It all worked out fine. It was it was a nice win. But yeah, those were, something, those were things I was concerned about. Amid, amid those concerns were mo- mostly tactical. Uh, my concerns were mostly tactical natured. Um, Huesca are a solid defensive team. And by solid, I mean they're, they're going to prioritize their defense over getting chances in attack. I think they've, they've looked at blueprints from teams that have taken points off Real Madrid in the past. They've looked at that. I thought it was very similar. I don't think it was identical to the way Cadiz played, but if you look at it structurally speaking, banks of four, and I know like basically they had they had two strikers on the on the team sheet. One was Rafa Mir, who gave us problems, and the other one Borja Garcia. But I think what you ended up seeing was that it was Rafa Mir mostly by himself and Borja Garcia dropping deep. And anytime Huesco would get the ball. They they had two options. One was to play through Real Madrid's press, which while there were a couple sequences where I thought Real Madrid did really well to press and block off passing lanes, and they were they were very cohesive. They were also there were also many defensive sequences where they were not that. So the press was a bit loose. They would always leave someone at the at the at the far side of the field open, which was very easy to hit with a quick dink over the top of the attacking players. And so once they would get the ball there, they could either bring the ball up field in space, or they would do this thing where they would launch a long ball over the top between Varane and Militao and get Rafa Mir the ball there. They had one in the first half where Real Madrid were a bit lucky that the ball was like almost barely overhit to Rafa Mir. Rafa Mir couldn't get the ball, couldn't get on the end of the ball, and Courtois swept through. And then there were a couple of times where Marcelo was beat, Militao would come over to cover, and he, he did it good on a couple of times. So one time, even though he came over, he was just beaten for pace, and and um, Rafa Mir got him behind and had a shot from a very acute angle, low probable scoring chance. But it was it was there nonetheless. And then we also saw a couple more instances. One of them was a miss by um, Sergio Gomez, where Marcelo's just looking at him and he's just jogging and looking at him. And he doesn't get back. We got lucky there, and the, and another chance actually resulted in the goal, which we'll get to. Um, so those are my those are my things, and as always, when Real Madrid play against low blocks, there's always this concern of like, what is the game plan here? So, what did you think was the game plan heading into this offensively? Well, you, I mean, you you pointed out that Huesca uh, kind of took the tactical blueprint from other La Liga sides that have played against us uh, this season, notably Cadiz, and had success and. Um, because I was and I was reading Jose Perez's um, preview of Huesca before the match, and I was thinking about he he talked about how they play a little bit more expansive football, 
Um, that's what was what they used to get out of the the second division. Um, they don't. I was thinking, oh, all right, so they're not gonna. They're maybe not be so tightly wound defensively. We'll have a little bit more space in transition. We can take advantage of that. It won't be another low deep block. But no, that wasn't the case. They they took the blueprint from other teams. Um, for the most part, I mean, I think you to the point you made earlier, Keon, they were able to play through our press pretty well, and I think that's down to the fact that they are a good on-the-ball team and are comfortable in possession, but they did play, for the most part, in a low, deep block. And the thing that I, I find frustrating is that you ask about the game plan, there really isn't a game plan. And as Don knows now, the players know that we're gonna. This is what we're gonna face for against 90% of the teams in La Liga, and they know that Real Madrid struggle against Buck, and so all the more reason to implement this. And I think that I mean, yes, granted, it's always gonna be difficult to break that down when you're playing a professional against a group of a professional team where basically they have eight, nine, sometimes even ten guys outside their 18 or on top of their 18 that's always going to be difficult to break down but i don't think from from the real madrid perspective i think we can we can all agree in that first half there just wasn't enough movement again in the final third how many times did we talk about there wasn't the ball circulation just felt slow it, it didn't it felt methodical uh there was no one twos in in the field to try and break and break a team down um just Nobody taking it. Nobody taking on their wide man, their wide fullback, and so that's where, that's where you get frustrated is because we again weren't creating any goal scoring opportunities. And yes, when you're playing against a low deep block, it can it can be frustrating, but you can do more. I felt like I felt like Real Madrid could do more to try and create opportunities, um, but ultimately it came down to Eden Hazard, a moment of individual brilliance. Just he kind of crept into the into the half space in between the lines and won the ball or earned, got the ball, turned his man and just unleashed a weak foot shot. That was just a beautiful Galasso. Great to see him off the start. But like you pointed out on Twitter and I pointed out on Twitter, you can't rely on that game in and game out. We're going to, we're going to see this so much. And yes, you need it from time to time, the individual brilliance, but you can't rely on that. So I, I think this is a really interesting discussion because I think when you, <clears throat> when you, when you talk about, Real Madrid and how they're because because it's not a unique thing they're going they face something like this a lot this season we'll just focus on this season um and they will continue to focus a team like they will continue to face a team like this all season and what I saw today is when you said they could have done more and yes it's difficult but they could have done more I agree with that I think they could have done more so and sometimes it's not just about doing more it's about doing things differently so um I think I think it was you that mentioned the one twos. We didn't see any of that. Like, the, like for example, Rodrigo is really good at those pass and move sequences where he passes the ball vertically and then sprints into space. Fede Valverde is great at that too, and Fede actually got um, had some good moments in this game. But I think one of the things that makes it easier for teams to defend Real Madrid is that it's today is the prime example. Before minute forty, when Hazard scored, it was very just U shaped possession. And the plan was very clear to me. I think it was like it was to, of all of all days where it's like some some days it's difficult to see what we're doing. I thought it was very clear to see what the strategy was today. It was swing the ball around, not quickly, 
just just take your time doing it because you know a lot of teams will break low box by really really quick switching barcelona does that manchester city does that uh, Barcelona, I know, I know, are not in a great state, but watch that game against Ferencvaros where they went five-one. It's they, that's what they were facing, and it was just like very, very quick. Suck defenders in, quick switch, quick switch. This one was much more slower in nature, so they would swing the ball around, and anytime it was, it was the wing backs who would cross, not necessarily the the wingers. They would cross, but if Lucas Vasquez or Marcelo got the got the ball um, in a diagonal position. They would cross, and everyone was ready to run into the box. Now, at least Sergio Ramos, who was doing this early in the first half, he was sprinting to the box quickly. And what's interesting is that I, so the fourth goal that Real Madrid scored, which was the Benzema, which was one of Benzema's goals, I actually really liked that goal. But no play encapsulates it better than that one because that's where it worked. So when you see Mar- when you see Benzema release it to Marcelo, and Marcelo has the ball at that position. Immediately, see Rodrigo and Benzema click into gear. They're like they know the ball is coming at the far post. They sprint there. Rodrigo knocks it back to Benzema. But I, I think, I think in in a way, it's like I don't want to be too harsh with that criticism. That was that was the game plan because I think one of the ways to break a low block is with crossing. But what do we always say about crossing? It's the lowest path percentage to goal. Like statistically speaking, that's that has the lowest chance of getting into the back of the net when you cross. So to make up for it, you have to go with high volume. There wasn't that much high volume today. Uh, and Sergio Ramos, there's you. the reason you're, you're dragging him in from defense to get into the box is because he's the best one on the team that actually to actually score those chances. And um, if you're not going to play Jovic, Ramos is essentially the second striker in a 4-4-2 at this point. So I don't want to be too harsh. I think it is a game plan, but it, when that is the game plan, it makes it very difficult. But I think to be fair, Matt, there was there was some effort in the left, especially where Modric and Hazard would try to combine and get into that half space. But I thought Huesca really defended that space really well, and any any time they tried to link up, they just couldn't find a way through. Yeah, and I think um, I mean in my notes. I have kind of to your point where Hazard picks up the ball on the left. He does, uh, he does that work where he weaves in and out of defenders, comes in centrally, and he passes the ball out wide to Lucas Vasquez. And Lucas Vasquez has his mind made up before he before he even uh, looks up or looks at any other options that he's going to cross it. And there was really no one in the box yet. So that's where I think we can be critical of the game plan. If there's no one in the box yet, if there's no one making the run, then recycle possession. Keep it moving, do, to your point, do a one-two, find central options. Sometimes I think those the wingbacks, both Marcelo and Lucas Vasquez, just whipped it in when it wasn't really on, and maybe it would have been, would have been better for us to try something a little bit different. So, so I think we could have improved in that aspect. And just with the first half overall, I, I mean, I look at my notes and I look at how many poor, just sloppy giveaways there were. Um, had one. Marcelo had one. It was just like forced passes and mm. trying to trying to play vertical, but it, nothing was really on, and they were just forcing it and easy, easy sloppy giveaways. And I think that was kind of um, something we've seen a lot of recently, especially in the first half. It, it's been taking us a while to get going. I, I was thinking to myself in this game, the first 10 minutes blew by, and I was just like, wow, we literally haven't done – there's nothing no, no, nothing being produced in the final third. I can't think of one good sequence of passing or anything like that. It's just 
the 10, 10 minutes have flown by and nothing's happened. So it was, it was tough to watch from that perspective. I think, I think we've been through how many, I feel like how many of these first halves have we been through this season? One, two, including this one, three, uh, what was the, you, I guess you could, you could argue the Mönchengladbach you, one. You yeah. Could, was it was, it that, was yeah. better, but it wasn't, it wasn't where they yeah. need to be. So that's four. That's probably, I don't, I don't remember back far enough to, what was, what was Levante like? Even, I can't remember. Yeah. Levante. I think I was going to say Levante as well. And so I think you, we look at that, right. And we know, we know Real Madrid, especially under Zidane, they usually start slow. And this is kind of the good thing is that they're grabbing points at this stage of the season. They're getting results for the most part um, and just kind of grinding through that that early season where they never look that good. But I think it's still fair for us to be critical and say, look, this how many times does this have to happen? How many first halves like this until we start until Real Madrid start to click or start to correct things? I mean, we know they analyze the tape. We know they're talking about it at nauseum. They're looking at this. They're looking to develop patterns of play, but we haven't seen it happen. And yes, it, I think it, it part of it's on Zidane, of course, but I also think part of it's on the players. Like you have to, there has to be in-game recognition, and these are mature enough. Uh, obviously, the the best of the best at Real Madrid. They should be able to recognize in-game what what needs to change to try to break down these deep blocks. So. I think this also brings into uh, the superstar discussion because, you know, we often joke like, how, how why do we need Mbappe to score against Westgar, Cadiz, or whoever? How come the opponent yeah. doesn't need Mbappe to score against us? That goal that Hazard scored, well, that's that's where the Mbappe comes in, right? Obviously, Mbappe comes in in many many different ways because he's he's Kylian Mbappe, he's a superstar. But that goal that Hazard scored came out of nowhere. It was a beautiful touch, the way he turned, got the defender out of the picture, and just completely slingshotted it with his left foot. All brilliant, right? We all agree that it was an individually brilliant play. It was a golasso. That's what changed the game. And so while we joke about, like, why do we need this player? Well, for moments like that, basically. Because after that, to me, there was a before and after in this game, and it was the hazard goal was a before and after. Because after the hazard goal, everything changed. And so... Having a player like that, to me, Matt, this actually felt when, especially when you look at the final result and it's four one, it finally felt like Real Madrid. Like it's like, oh yeah, this is this is what it's supposed to be like. This is supposed to be Real Madrid racking up goals against a poor team, and this is what we're supposed to be seeing week in week out. The reason we don't is because while the firepower has obviously gradually decreased, uh, actually in this case overnight decrease with Ronaldo leaving um so you you lose that and even with Ronaldo there you already had some offensive issues and so when he left you the whole life got sucked out of the attack so now you're dealing with that plus you're dealing with all these stubborn defensive lines so having a player like that obviously helps so when you said earlier Matt that you know you 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 don't want to rely on this game to game I think if this is going to be what Real Madrid is going to be like game to game you actually do need to have that game to game. Like you need something like that every game. Um, and, you know, obviously we all hope this is a turning corner for Hazard because he, he had a great game. You know, he also had, um, 
he was integral in the build-up to Fede Valverde's goal too. He started that attack. And so moment of individual brilliance like that is something that Real just haven't had enough enough of, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with the fact that we need it. We absolutely need it. But I don't know that you can rely, like, from game to game, is Hazard going to be able, is that shot always going to go in? I don't know. But, like, I, I absolutely yeah. think we we need that that moment of magic, that individual brilliance to to kind of break the dam. I think that's what his goal did. It, it, it broke the dam. And then once you have that first goal, it forces Huesca to open up a bit more because if they don't if they don't go after goal then they're they're not getting anything from this match so it forces them to come out of their shell a little bit um take a little bit more risks and open the game up and that's that's exactly what happened and real madrid sure enough quickly thereafter got got the second goal with benzema and um it was a lucas vasquez cross so we talked about that game plan and it did i mean that in fairness that game plan did produce some results if you look back um Marcelo had that cross to Sergio Ramos in like the yeah. 20th minute or so, and Ramos nearly scored from that header. Um, and then obviously Lucas Vasquez crossed to to, to uh, Benzema in the first half to make it two nothing, and then Marcelo's cross in the final stages of the game that Rodrigo headed to Benzema for the fourth goal. So it did it did produce results. We can't we can't deny that. I mean we have to, we have to give credit where it's due there. Um, but I I do think that. Hazard's Hazard's goal was absolutely 110% the turning point in this match. I mean, that we needed that. We needed a pick me up. We needed something to just like give give the team a confidence boost. Because how many? I mean, when you keep facing this and it, you keep getting um, denied by these stubborn defenses, it it does have to be a little bit of a psychological barrier as well. And so, I think. Um, if Real Madrid can prioritize having getting those early goals against, or not necessarily early goals, but first half goals, the go-ahead goals against uh, deep blocks, and that will make a huge difference in allowing them to to go on and kind of break away and win those games by a larger margin. There was, a, I think, the first chance that we had, if I'm not mistaken, was was when Mordrich dinks it over the top to Hazard and Hazard tries to kind of flick it over in the 14th minute and it goes just like on top of the net basically. Um, oh, yeah. I think he I think he had time to control it and bring it down and um, and actually maybe control it and, and take a couple extra touches, but he he went first time. So that that plus the Ramos chance that Soria saved from the header. I believe were the two noteworthy chances before Hazard scored. Um, there was another shot that Hazard had in at the top of the box that was that was blocked. I, I don't think that had any chance because there was so many bodies in the way. But um, but yeah, I, I think that that essentially was the turning point, and, and and that's what it took. Because I think even in a more intangible way, um, after Hazard scored, there was a certain bounce to Real Madrid's offense where they actually looked more confident and they could actually go at. Um, they could actually go at Huesca with a little bit more, a little bit more confidence, and and they obviously control the ball. Like that was one thing that the that Phil kept pointing out at, uh, in the first half. Phil Phil shown where he said he he pointed to the possession stats, and then basically before the Hazard goal, it was fifty fifty, and then after the Hazard goal, Real Madrid didn't like basically surrender possession for even for even a second. So they had more control, and then obviously ends up with Vasquez 
with a cross to Benzema who brings it down. So the goals today were two of them were crosses from crosses, right? Um, yeah. And then Hazard and then Fede. Well, like three because the Benzema one, that, I guess that's technically a cross too. Um, but it was it was more in the flow of the transition. So we think of it differently maybe. Um, do you want to say anything about Real Madrid's defense in that first half? I, I touched on it a little bit, but what did you think? Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned that that sequence with Rafa Mir and Militao. For, for, I thought Rafa Mir was just Huesca's most dangerous player. He just causes problems. He's a he's a physical menace. Like he just he's got a lot of those tools um, and just never stops kind of hounding hounding the back line. And I, he definitely bested Militao on that play. And I don't know. I'm still I'm still not there with Militao. I like I think it was Ewan who was talking to you on one of the podcasts saying. Maybe the best way to uh, help develop Militao is to play with Ramos. And today, obviously, he had that opportunity to play with Ramos, and I still, still not convinced. I mean, it's obviously it may be unfair to to be judging him like this when he hasn't had a, a run of games, and he's still a, a young player. But I'm just I don't know. There's there's things about his game that I, I just never feel like the sense of urgency is there and that defensive awareness. Um, kind of just those natural tools of knowing where to be, uh, when to step, when to drop, when to pull in your fullbacks. And I, even on Huesca's goal today, I mean, I, I place majority of the blame on Marcelo, but um, Militao was kind of at six and sevens at the start of that play. If you watch him, like he, he decides to step and then he's trying to back uh, get back into the back line. He's not sure which three players to go out and mark and, uh, ultimately, he goes out to the wing and just doesn't apply enough pressure on that on that cross. And That's so, true. Yeah, I was a yeah. little bit surprised that Ramos wasn't mentioned once when we were talking about criticism that goal because for sure Marcelo's like jogging, he, he picked his head up, but that was like also half Ramos's man, and Ramos had no one else to mark either, and he just kind of left yeah. left him at the far post. That so I I made sure to just bring that up in the in my immediate reaction that like the, but there was confusion between both of them. And, well, and how come yeah. Marcelo didn't? They didn't talk to each other. That's the other thing. I, like, if I'm Marcelo and I know I'm not going to be able to get there in time because he reacted way too late. If you watch him, if you watch him on that play before the ball even gets out to the wing, he's he's walking and he's he's not trying. Like, if I'm a fullback, I'm trying to get back into position, turn my turn my hips so that I'm facing um, facing the opposition goal and in line with Sergio Ramos, and he's just walking. Like, he's not even. There's no urgency to his play. But if I'm if I do realize if I, if there's an oh shit moment and uh, Sergio Ramos doesn't see that guy behind him or just isn't aware that the ball is going, I'd be screaming at him like um, Sergio, like behind behind you. And I you didn't see yeah. any of that. Like I felt like there was no recognition from either of them. I have those concerns with Militao now too a little bit. Uh, I mean, look, I've I've had I had this concern. The thing with Marcelo is that like you know we can. What year is he in with Real Madrid? He joined what two thousand? I think it's uh, yeah, I think so. Whatever it is, the thirteen. Um, he like, I remember writing a huge article for four four two about maybe two and a half, maybe three years ago now, and it was just going over all of his defensive deficiencies, and it was like even at that time there was a narrative of like. 
you know, he can improve. This is this is skewed. This is like, you know, this is now he's 32 and this is just who he is. This is who he's been almost his whole career. And then people will like look at some isolated plays like Classico where he put a tackle of Messi on the box and just be like, um, see, like, you know, he can do when he wants. It's like that you can't look at outliers like that. You kind of have to look at everything. This is just when he when you when he has a man at the far post or somebody in behind him, he's not generally speaking for the majority of his career, he's not gonna sprint and try to get get back. Um and sometimes sometimes he does, but he's so out of position it's not even it's not even close. And that that puts a lot of onus on somebody like Militao to be extra sharp. And that's part of the reason why, like when we talk about all time defensive rankings rankings among central defenders, that to me is Ramos's almost biggest legacy is that he played with Marcelo almost his whole career. And he had to defend that half yeah. space. He has to cover for him. And he had to do all of that. Whereas we talk about, we compare him to other pe- people like Nesta, Cannavaro, Malini, all greats. They all had each other basically <laughs> to like, yeah. in, in like, and defensive Italian tactics and stuff. So a um, little bit of a digression here. But I think with Marcelo, I, I'm obviously more confident with Mendy there at this point. Um, but what did you think about Marcelo's offense? Let's 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 maybe go go to that direction. Well, I was looking at um, I was kind of looking at the statistics after the game, and I was I was surprised at how involved Marcelo was. He had the most touches of yep. anyone on the field. Um, just just or actually, sorry, just behind Luka Modric, he had Marcelo had 101 touches. Modric had 107, and so so that surprised me. He had two key passes. Um, and then in terms of crosses, which is probably doesn't surprise anyone, he had the most with five. So he was certainly involved um, and maybe involved more than I remember or wanted to give him credit for. So I think on, on the offensive end, he was probably okay. I just didn't think, um, I don't know, I just didn't think he was as impactful, but maybe I'm just always reverting back to kind of peak Marcelo and um comparing him to that and so that's why maybe i'm not giving him as much credit as he deserves on the offensive end i don't know what what, what was your take no i i think i i don't think he was that great offensively i think that some of the numbers will will skew it a little bit um it's not to take away from his key passes his his two key passes one of them was the ramos header which we mentioned was a really which was a really great cross yeah. uh, and then outside of the key pass obviously he he was the one who crossed to rodrigo so I would say his crossing was was good. I don't know if anything else necessarily was. Um, yeah. I, yeah, so I think we'll eventually get into Ferland Manning discussion too because he played right back because of necessity, and, and I thought that was even interesting to talk about too. But um, I also think with, um, with, with kind of the way this game played out, Benzema played the entire 90, which, again, like if you're not going to rest him in a game like this one, you're going to rest him. And if there's, you look at the subs that Zidane made, Rodrigo, Isco, and Vinicius all come on in this, like the most ideal time that any any fast attacking player would love to come on in this position. The game, you're up, there's no pressure, and... The team is chasing, so there's a bunch of space. I mean, you saw that, you saw that with Vinicius's first touch. It was like he yeah. he has a bunch of space. He does really well to kind of push the defender off him. 
and then he cuts it back to Benzema, and then Rodrigo also had an assist. I thought this would have been a good, like, Jovic stat padding, potential, like, confidence-boosting stat padding game. I would have liked to have seen that instead of seeing Benzema score another goal at the end, but, you know, what do I know? Um, yeah, no, I'm with you, but at least uh, Casemiro got some rest, so that was uh, one positive. He's finally getting some rest. Um, but... Before we go into any more of the second half, and I just want to talk about Fede Valverde and obviously his Golasso. I mean, there were a couple Golassos, Hazard's and his, and I just, oh, I, I, I love that goal. It, I yeah, mean, me too. Perfect touch to set it, set himself up, and then uh, it's still, it looked like it was still bobbling a little bit, and he st- nailed it. Uh, had kind of like a, almost on with the a bit with his outside of his foot, and uh, just into the bottom corner perfect goal we i feel like we see all those goals kind of in training those training clips mm. but they never come to fruition in the match finally finally it came to fruition in the match um and so yeah i thought i just thought overall another another standout performance from fede and he's been really really good to start this season probably i think for me he's probably been our best player um to start the season i think he's been he's been fantastic and he just provides so much energy and intensity from midfield and um if uh, i put it on on twitter and uh, you commented commented on it it is if he can add goals like that to his portfolio obviously now back-to-back goals in la liga and um he produced some good offensive display against much gladback but if he can add goals to his uh, profile maybe 10 goals a season then man this this kid's set for being one of the top top midfielders in the world so his goal today, that's his third of the season, That and Benzema, plus Benzema's goal today. So him and Benzema are tied for first place. Not like it's a competition, but um, they both lead the team with three goals. And the idea of, like, can he add goals to his repertoire? I would argue he already has. Like, I don't... I know, like, when we say goals to their repertoire, we're really thinking in our heads, can a midfielder contribute, like, 10 to 15 goals a season? Um, so maybe we haven't... It's, it is premature to say it in that sense because he hasn't achieved that yet. But I think it's amazing how far he's come. Um, I remember writing back in October of last year, almost a year ago to the day, October 17th, I was writing about his game against uh, Granada where he was one of the best players on the field. And there was this whole thing just before that when he went on international break where he was talking about how Zidane was working with him because one of his flaws is that when he gets into the box he tends to shoot at the keeper because he not only does that in he was not only doing that in games but he was also doing it in training he was shooting at the keeper just like really like right into the keeper's arms and so Zidane would tell him I want you to arrive in the penalty box constantly but I want you to improve your your shooting and so you you've seen the arrival part constantly right he's always making runs into the box I think when you look at his finish today, you look at his finish in other games, you look even he had a disallowed goal against Shakhtar, uh, which would have been four goals, his fourth goal. And that was disallowed through no fault of his own was because the goalkeeper's line of sight was was broken. Um, His finishing to me doesn't look like a wild swing by any means or like he he really like there's a placement to it. I think he actually can become a valuable goal scorer because anytime he's become he's gotten in a goal scoring position the last few months I've I felt pretty confident about him converting those chances 
Yeah, I forgot about the uh, the Shakhtar. That's a that's a good point. He would have been at four goals. So yeah, no, he's. I mean, he's got a rocket of a shot, but he's also shown against uh, Ibar last season that he can uh, put it away like Cruz in a Cruz like finish as right. well. So he's got the tools. He's definitely got the tools, and um, I'm just I'm really trying to. I'm so excited about the player he's become and just how quickly he's developed, and hopefully this year. He can consistently keep up this form. Uh, he he mentioned, I guess it was earlier earlier this season, a month or so ago, that he didn't do the things he needed to do um, during lockdown to the things that Real Madrid players should be doing in order to come back uh, in the best form possible. And so it seems like that maybe an awakening for him. And so hopefully um, he he can kick on for the whole season this year and show that this is. There's no form drop off. I mean, it's been really impressive how how he started the season. Well, he he was obviously good offensively in ways we kind of already discussed, but I also thought he was really good defensively too. I thought in the first half he was the best presser on the team, and it looked like he was a bit frustrated with 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 times where the rest of the team wasn't in sync. Um, he won the ball in midfield. He won the ball in the final third. There were times where Lucas Vasquez would would. Um, whether it be on the right or the left, because there was one one time where Lucas Vasquez was actually on the left, and Fetty came over to cover for for that slot too. So he was really good defensively too. Um. All right. So where do you want to go from here? Um, maybe touch on a couple more uh, player performances. One person I want to get um, your thoughts on is Asensio. I um, like I said earlier, I thought he had a good game against Borussia Mönchengladbach, but Today, I I don't know. I think it was a bit inconsistent from him. I didn't think he had some poor giveaways in the first half. Just never felt like he got it going like he did in Germany in the midweek. And I was hoping he could build off of that. But today, for me, it just it wasn't really there. I didn't really see anything noteworthy. I That's pretty much what I have. I, I thought he was a little bit too quiet today. He was a little bit too slow on the ball, especially early on. He lost it. Um. He was fluid enough where he would go over to the left a little bit, get some crosses in from there, but he didn't have any noteworthy, noteworthy moments. And so I, I don't have many notes on him because I thought he was just too quiet. Do you, um, do you, is he still in your idea? Or, I mean, I, I think he's now part of this ideal 11 that Zidane's starting to build. Is he in yours or how, how do you see it? I don't know what the ideal 11 is at this point. I, since the beginning of the season started, I and I and I still feel this way. I think he's going to be uh, an important goal scorer, not uh, not fifteen to twenty goals, but you know whether it could be like seven goals a season or whatever it is. And he needs to he needs to take players on more. I I think he's not the guy, but he needs to be a guy for for him to succeed and for the team to succeed. Um, but one there's one name that really jumps out at me for that position in a obviously stylistically different and that is Odegaard if he gets healthy yep. that I think really really kind of puts his well, position we, in in jeopardy a little bit yeah and we tracked I mean obviously he didn't play in that exact position for Real Sociedad but for Vitesse that's where he played and we tracked him that whole year and um he, he was phenomenal at, at that position arguably um a better goal scorer from that position Odegaard so, I mean, he can definitely play there. So it'll be interesting to see if Zidane 
uh, views him as as uh, that as an option on the right wing. I can't imagine that he doesn't. Um, so yeah, for me, I would lo- I would I would love to see a Hazard, Benzema, Odegaard front three. His uh, his health recovery apparently is really good. He's looking fine. He's going to be back soon. Um, I think also when we talk about like you know the moment that Hazard had in terms of individual brilliance. Odegaard has that, not necessarily from a goal-scoring perspective, but from, like, out of nowhere, just slinging a pass into the box that splits, like, eight players and yeah. all of a sudden finds an unmarked Real Madrid player in the box. So I, I think I think he, once he gets going, gets incorporated. That's that's where his ceiling is. I don't know if he gets there, but <clears throat> if, he can re- if he can get to his Real Sociedad format, and I think he'll get even better when his career, uh, when you fast-forward his career, but... I think he he will be a good addition to this problem of breaking low blocks because his moving between the lines, but his passing between the between the lines also is, is very at a very high level. Yeah. Well, for so I guess from the other players that played today, not counting the subs, because I do want to talk to you about the subs. But um, who else would you say besides Valverde were some of the standouts? Standout. Um, I don't know if anyone jumps out at me actually for a standout because to me the standouts were basically Benzema, Fede, Hazard, those three. And then anything that happened after the subs kind of has an asterisk because a lot of players played well after the subs because the game was so open. Um, so maybe we just say Benzema then because I thought Benzema Benzema was really good. Um, I think... He was a little bit of a, a kind of the beneficiary of the game opening up a little bit as well, but if you look at the from just pure goal production standpoint in this game, he was involved in almost everything because he had he had the two goals, he had an assist, um, and he just you know bringing the ball down from that Vasquez cross was a nice like you know non panicky compose, bringing it down finish from a tough angle. He could have. When I saw it in the moment, like my flashbulb memory is that he should have cut it back to Hazard, but he scored, so it didn't because Hazard was pretty open there at the top, at the just at the six-yard box there. If he had cut it back, but he scores anyway. And then his movement on his second goal, whereas like he knew Marcelo's going to cross at the far post, he goes and he positions himself for that Rodrigo cutback well. And then for the Fetty assist, I th- I really like that too because when the ball falls to back to him. He really just takes his time, freezes the bo- freezes everyone in the box, and then puts it on the platter for Fede. So I, I guess he would be my other standout, apart from Hazard and, and Fede. Two, uh, two underrated names, and maybe okay. I would um, point to is I thought Modric wasn't bad. Yeah. I thought he was pretty good for the most part. Obviously, we talked about he had the most key passes. Um, just felt like he had a, a pretty good game. And then obviously Sergio Ramos had somewhat of a mistake on West Coast goal, but other than that, I thought he was he was very good in this game. Yeah, Modric. I thought Modric was good. Um, I think he had like one really really bad pass out of the back, but other than that, um, he also that that pass to Hazard over the top and into the box was amazing. Um, and with regards to Ramos, again, like this guy's consistently a leader. Team falls apart without him. He's the one getting into the box, creating chaos. Um, 
So yeah, I'm I'm okay with those shouts. Probably not on the level of the, the aforementioned three, but yeah. they were they were fine. Um, <clears throat> anything else from that second half? I mean, we can talk about the headlines would have written themselves had Vinicius found Benzema on that chance. <laughs> um, yeah, they, I, I'm sure everybody was itching for those headlines. For anyone who cared about this, by the way, I I, I honestly didn't care about this this thing. It was a non-issue to me. But for anyone who did, that was that was a huge headline ready to be written. Well, yeah, and then again, looking afterwards after the match, I I was surprised, but Vinicius only thirty minutes and he had team high three key passes, team high three yeah. completed dribbles. Yeah. So I was, I mean, I thought I I thought both he and Rodrigo played well, but I didn't realize um, Vinicius had had much of an impact. Um, but Rodrigo, I, I mean, again, back to back assists. He's he looked good as well, and he's he's playing on the right wing. Obviously, uh, had the assist against Barcelona. I think this is where he can carve out a good role for himself the rest of the year. He's kind of an impact guy off the bench when defenses are a little bit tired, taking guys on 1v1 down down the flank. And um, he's someone who, like you mentioned, combines really well with the 1-2s, puts in good services, um, has the ability to take a guy on and beat him. So I think this can be a good, good really role for him, almost like the Lucas Vasquez of... Uh, 2015-2016 when uh, he broke out under Benitez and then Sedan in, in the Champions League. I think this could kind of be a good fit for Rodrigo. I would say we have a lot of those guys who can be impactful off the bench. I think even Asensio falls in that category. Like, you know, we've seen it kind of happen where, you know, Modric coming off the bench giving the team a lot of life. Um, Vinicius doing that against uh, Shakhtar, I guess it was. So I think a lot of players will fall in that role. And I think this leads into a different discussion in that we're still in the middle of a pandemic. We can't forget that. So I think this advantage that Real Madrid have of their depth will will probably come into play as the season progresses. Um, <clears throat> I thought this was interesting. I, I wanted to talk to you about this. Not directly Real Madrid related, but related enough to, to the whole thing we're talking about, like injuries and squad health and the amount of rest that's needed. Guardiola and Klopp in the last few days have been very vocal about like, we can't believe the Premier League decided not to adopt the five-sub rule when everyone else did. And Guardiola listed off a stat yesterday, I think it was, which blew my mind. He actually like, came to the table and was like, you guys are crazy for not allowing us to do this. The Premier League has had 47% more muscle injuries this season at this juncture than it did last season. And wow. um, so there's always like this discussion, of, like in my opinion, there's just too much football. And, you know, obviously when you're talking about the pandemic and trying to catch up for lost ground, it, it becomes even more. And then we're going to have the Euros in the summertime and then we're going to play. And then we're going to, we have the World Cup like in the middle of a season soon. Um, and there's just too much happening in, in the international breaks and the traveling. So I'm totally okay with the five subs rule, even if it's just temporary. It, if, if it doesn't have to be permanent, fine. But I think that we have to take, take this into consideration and the idea was always like well the small teams will get screwed because the big teams have better subs well this this still benefits the smaller teams it's still worse for them if you're only giving them three subs because then they can't if you're playing a low block by the way that shit is tiring it's not just it's not easy to play in a low block so to have fresh subs coming in and and trying to keep afloat um that's that's going to help you a lot so i think that um anyways to come back full circle the point was, 
you you made the point about impact players off the bench like Rodrigo. I think we're gonna see Real Madrid's depth come into play here, like at some point. Like that's well, gonna be an advantage. Um, I don't know. If you saw this. Thomas Tuchel um, was talking about the fact that Kylian Mbappe came to him and said he feels mentally that he's exhausted. He feels like it's the end of the season already, and the season just started. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that as well, especially for those teams like Bayern Munich and PSG that went went deep into the Champions League. Uh, I think we're gonna see we're gonna see the effects of that probably in the springtime. And Carvajal, I think, mentioned it as well in the beginning. We started this season in an interview. We talked about how important rotations and squad depth are going to be because teams are just if you don't if you don't implement it, teams are going to be destroyed by mm-hmm. by the winter time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And I I think I'm I'm glad you brought up that Pep Guardiola. I haven't heard that. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, anything else before we get to our patron question? We have one patron question which we'll take. But anything else that we missed? uh no i think i think we're good i didn't get a chance to i by the time we had uh, press record there wasn't any hazard or an easy dan quotes in yet there was we just had like you know the the sideline interviews with fede who didn't say anything that interesting i'm just kind of glancing over zidane quotes to see if there's anything interesting um talked about hazard he played 20 minutes the other day and today he started and played a little more you know the quality he has Scored a good goal is important because the match was different after that. Oh, so Zidane was listening to our podcast before the presser. <laughs> um, he doesn't have any pain. That's key. He's happy about his goal. Um, oh, some positions talked about positioning and stuff. Eden plays on the left, and Vinicius' preferred position is also on the left, so we'll have to see based on their playing time. Um, we'll make some changes. Well, I think I also- yeah, go ahead. I think I also saw him talk about something tactically where he said um, he talked about Hazard's goal and he said it's really important. We need to do more of that, have Hazard arrive in between the lines hmm. um, in that position. That's, that's going to that's gonna be important for us moving forward. Um, he did allude to the fact also that they're going to make changes for Tuesday's game, which is which actually ties us in nicely to the next question. So our patron, Raul Gutierrez, by the way, if you want guaranteed responses to your questions, but also get access to midweek shows and stuff, because the intergame is going to be only on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. So get in now. Um, we have a deal right now that if you sign up, you get one month for free. If you sign up for an annual membership, so you save money there. So it's a win-win for everybody. So make sure you go to patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Um, our patron Raul Gutierrez says, I'm happy with the win today and even happier that Hazard scored. Um, I just feel like we should have kept a clean sheet. We got to stay focused for the whole 90 minutes. We have got to stay focused for the whole 90 minutes, especially since we play into this upcoming Tuesday. So the question is, also, do you expect Hazard to play that game? I 100% expect Hazard to play that game. Uh, I think... Zidane took him out earlier just because, obviously, he's building up his fitness, got an hour under his belt. That's perfect. 20 minutes uh, midweek and then an hour today. So I, I think he'll start again, probably get an hour to 70 minutes again versus Inter Milan. And um, the other part of the question, should we just have focused on keeping the clean sheet? Um I I mean, yeah, I can't, I can't argue with that. I think psychologically, especially for guys like 
Thibaut Courtois in the defense. We saw it last year when they kept racking up those clean sheets. It just, it even, even if you don't have a superb game defensively, when you know in the back of your mind you're just racking up clean sheets, it kind of, it, it kind of gives you that extra push mentally and makes you feel like you're a little bit un- invincible. And so I think it would have been nice to keep the clean sheet. I agree, but ultimately it wasn't the end of the world. But we do. You have to do better on plays like that. Like that was really inexcusable by, by Marcelo for me because I feel like he he could have been in that position quite easily if he had a little bit more urgency. Yeah, um, I do think that uh, with with Hazard, I'm I'm pretty certain he'll play. I mean, uh, this is this is a this is a huge game. I yeah, it's not it's even huge. just that it's Inter. It's just like this is actually not season on the line de facto. Like you're out if you lose, but you might as well. I don't know. actually this group is so weird that who knows but everyone's like literally on zero points it's like Shakhtar has four points I think that's that's the one who's pulling away at this point um but you really need to win so even I know Ewan rolled his eyes that Zidane called this Huesca game a final um <laughs> and and then went on to to bench some some key players but I think this one is like really all hands on deck you you can't you really don't want to be in a position if you lose to Inter and then you're you're looking at one point after three games. That's a really really tough to place to be in. So, yeah, um, this is a, this is a final in 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 a huge sense. I think we especially since it's, yeah, I just add especially since it's at obviously it's different without fans, but you always have to you always have to pick up your points at home. And so yeah. obviously losing to Shakhtar Donetsk at home, we're going to have to make up ground there, but you can't then lose to Inter too or even draw. So hopefully hopefully we pick up all three points. Yep. Um, so we have Inter on Tuesday, and our loan tracker is usually Tuesday. So Matt and I will have to talk, do some talking off air, so how we're going to juggle that. Um, and then... I guess that's that. We'll be back. We'll be back then. So I don't know if there's going to be a Feminino podcast. I'm not sure if there's a Castilla Corner podcast. Castilla's game got uh, got postponed because there's a bunch of Castilla Corners who have been tested positive for COVID nineteen. So I think the Feminino. I think the same thing happened to the women's team too. Oh really? Okay. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think I saw that on the website. So let's hope that everybody recovers quickly and swiftly, and everyone's health is obviously the priority. So we hope everyone recovers. Um, so I don't know if there's any going to be any podcast, but there may be. I can't speak for Castilla Corner and, and, and the Las Bancas crew, so they may they may still put something out. I'm not sure. Um, but I just, I just checked real quick. The uh, Feminino game was postponed because Levante, the team that was oh, that's post, right. uh, yes. play, reported positive COVID-19 case. Yeah. Case. yeah. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, so we'll uh, we'll be back at the very latest. We'll be back Tuesday, possibly Monday, if you know if we decide to do a loan tracker Monday night. We'll see. Um, we'll do patron shout outs before we wrap it up. So shout out to our ten dollar plus patrons who get a specific shout out on the podcast: Brandon Alvarez, G Wolf ninety four, S A Davisito, Willie Reed, Way Pairing, Tyler Simon, Tyler Dixon, Tobias Royal Botcher, Tahmid Kalam, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh. Shabazz Sharapov, Santos Solorzano, Said Mahad, Sad Omar, Rovi Tahiev, Raul Gutierrez, Raghav Potluri, Rafael Servia, Peña Maridisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Oscar Barrera, Nick Ribeiro, Nelson Masariego, Muxi Thangal, Mowgli, Mikhail Nilsson, Marin Myrtle, 
Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, MJ Diego, Michael Cruchon, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Kevin Rivera, Karen Scherer, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, Eric Rogers, Eloy Enriquez, Daniel Williams, Dane Blatch, Christian Toft, Christian Gonzalez, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Austin Fiori Erdman, Ashik Bashar, Armando L., Anthony Armesto, Anirud Singh, Alexi Saniceros, Adam Dorsey, Varun, Solomon Ortiz, Fabian Moreno, and Philip Hammer. Thank you guys for your support. We really appreciate you. Matt Wilty, thank you for joining the show. We'll chat soon on The Lone Tracker. And Hala Marid. Hala Marid.